I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 129, in which I talk with Carol Ann Waugh. And I'm recording this part of this episode on Sunday, July 21st. I wanted to say thank you so much to everybody for joining me for this episode. I do want to let you know, I don't know why, but it seems appropriate, I am pre-recording this and posting it after I'm out of town a couple of days from now. So by the time you hear this, I'm in Phoenix for work. But since you're not likely to hear my voice again until mid to late August, I figured I would try to stretch things out a little bit and post it for when I'm gone, um, just to make it seem like it's not quite so long before I'm able to post my next episode, but more about that later. For those of you who are just joining me for the first time, I really want to say a special welcome to you. If you are tuning in just to hear my interview with Caroline Waugh, never fear. I'm going to give you all the courtesy of flipping around my usual podcast order, and I'm going to share my conversation with her first. Afterwards, I will do my usual podcast stuff, a little bit of Sandy update with my most recent fiber projects, and I do actually call them fiber projects this time because it's not all quilting, and I will do some listener feedback. Carol Ann Waugh is a fiber artist who many of us may know now through Craftsy. I personally have taken both of her classes on Craftsy. They are Stupendous Stitching and Stitch and Slash. I know AJ of the Quilting Pot podcast has also taken both of these. And in fact, AJ and I did an episode a while back now, don't remember exactly when, in which we talked about our experiences together taking Stitch and Slash. That was a really fun episode to do as well. This time, I was so pleased to have the opportunity to talk with Caroline Waugh in more depth about her work, and I'm really glad that I'm going to be able to share that with you, because that's what makes it even more fun. As a note, we actually had this conversation a couple of months ago now. Unfortunately, that does mean that the exhibit of Carol's work that we talk about in the episode is now complete, but I believe Quilting by the Lake is happening right now, or right about now, so you may still be able to scoot up to Syracuse to meet her. And you will understand what that all means when you actually hear the conversation. In any case, I am now glad to be able to offer to you my conversation with fiber artist Carol Ann Waugh. All right, I am talking today with Carol Ann Waugh, who I met through Craftsy, met, you know, in a cyber way. (laughs) Carol, thank you so much for taking this time today. Oh, I'm excited to talk to you. All right, let's talk first a little bit about these two classes that you do have on Craftsy. Can you describe both of them a little bit for my listeners? Well, the first one I did was Stupendous Stitching, which is a class that is all about uh, altering the surface of textures and includes things like couching and um, decorative machine stitching and uh, handwork as well. And everyone who takes the class comes up with something that's quite unique to them and quite beautiful. Um, The second class I teach is Stitch and Slash, and that is a process of layering several uh, layers of fabric together and sewing a design in and then cutting through the different layers to reveal a pattern. Okay, I did take, um, actually, I've got both of your classes. I completed Stitch and Slash, and I've got a project hanging on my wall. That was a boatload of fun. (laughs) 
They're that both was, really fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, stupendous <laughs> stitching. I'm still working on the Stitch Bible, which is um, just the way of going through all the decorative stitches. And, and you're right, as you say, when you encourage your students to do that, there's a lot of stitches on my machine I had never even known existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's not only discovering the stitches, it's also really discovering um, how you can really understand your machine. Mm. So it's it's a dual purpose. <laughs> yeah, that is it's a great activity. I'm just I'm only about a third of the way through my stitches, so I've got a little bit more work to do with that. Um, you also have several books. Do you want to talk about what books you have available? Um, actually, there's only one uh, book in print right now, and it's called Stupendous Stitching. The other three books I've written, I wrote probably 30 years ago on quilt making, and they're all out of print. So. Okay, and Stupendous Stitching basically does just kind of go through much of what you have in class. I do also own the book, though, and I did find it helpful to have that in addition to the class. You don't need it in order to take the class, but it was helpful um, for reference. Right, and it shows a lot of uh, different outcomes that students have made in the book, which I really love. Mm -hmm. How did you first start working out with fabric? I started uh, in the 70s uh, when I was working with Butterick and Vogue in New York City. And I uh, was needlepointing at the time and ended up needlepointing a couch. And that was like a big project. And I decided that I didn't want to do any more needlepoint. I had reached the pinnacle of my needlepoint. And so I decided at that point to make a king-size quilt. I guess you would say I like big projects. <laughs> so that's when I started working with fabric. <laughs> I think pretty much any time you've made a couch, you've reached the pinnacle. <laughs> what are you gonna Whatever do? that is, yes. <laughs> I, I find it interesting now with your stupendous stitching and everything that you have managed to kind of bring together, though, your, your needlework and your, your fiber arts now mm -hmm. that it's kind of all come together. Yeah, you know, I think that's life. You know, everything that you've done in the past kind of comes out in the future. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now, you also mentioned that when you worked... Um, at Butterick and Vogue, you also were engaged in creating products that then you sold to Home Act teachers. So you've got this real kind of long history with Home Act. Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, when I took my first Home Act class in junior high, it was the only class that I got 100 in. So I've always loved Home Act. <laughs> it's kind of uh, sad. I mean, it's They've tried to change it up now. Home Ec as it existed when I was a kid certainly no longer exists, but I hope somewhere they're still getting some of those experiences, getting their hands on fabric and learning their way around sewing machines and things. Yeah, I hope so, but as you're, you're absolutely right, I spent my uh, professional career in educational publishing, and so um, I've been tracking the demise of handwork in schools. It's kind of sad. Hmm. Um, did you ever have any formal art training before you began doing your fiber arts work? I did not. How did you um, how did you build your confidence? I think a lot of people look at things like that and they're like, oh, I don't really know how to do that. I've never been trained in art. How did you kind of work your way through those concerns? Well, I think the first thing I did was take a lot of workshops with a lot of different teachers. Um, I, everybody has something to add to to your knowledge and many people in fiber arts are not trained as uh, BFAs and uh, have come to the, the craft uh, just by doing it and what I've discovered is that making art is about doing <laughs> it's not about thinking it's about creating 
So it's it's yeah. about really kind of just experimenting, playing, seeing what happens. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Now, you have been very successful in this. Your art's been just in a boatload of magazines and mm-hmm. books. Um, I wanted to name a couple in particular, Volume 5 of In Stitches, and In Stitches is one of my favorite magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were on episode, uh, what is it, 1011, I think, of The Quilt Show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, a lot of my subscribers are also subscribers to The Quilt Show. They they talk about it all the time. So what was it like being on The Quilt Show for you? Oh, Alex and Ricky are the best hosts in the world. They make you feel so welcome. Um, and it was really easy because they put you at ease right away and they just ask questions and you get a chance to talk and demonstrate what you do. Um, and it's actually filmed in Boulder, which is not too far away. So it was kind of a comfortable um, city to be in. I kind of know Boulder. And so it was just a great experience. Well, that's good. I, I want to make sure I will, um, if I can find a link that I can post to that episode in my um, show notes, I will make sure I do that for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you have also done commissioned art. You mentioned, I believe it's in uh the stupendous stitching book that you just recently had done one at that point for the Eastside Human Services Building in Denver. I've always been curious, what is it like to do commissioned art? What are the pros and cons of that experience? Well, first of all, it's scary (laughs) because you're doing public art and um, for this particular case. And so they say, well, you know, this is the space that we want you to work in. And we'd like something, in this case, they said cheerful. So how they define cheerful and how I might define cheerful could be two different things. Um, and also, when I do my work, I don't necessarily draw something out and then copy that. I work as I go. So I wouldn't know what my work would look like until it was finished. So you can put a lot of time and effort into something, and then if they don't like it, uh, they could reject you. So that's kind of a scary thing. Uh, When I finished this particular piece, it was huge. It was um, eight panels uh, by four foot by one foot, um, each panel. So it took me at least a month to do it. And um, luckily, they loved it. (laughs) So, but it could have come, you know, gone the other way. That's something I've never wanted to get into is even, you know, small scale where somebody will say, hey, I'll pay you to make a baby quilt for my friend. I'm like, no. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's a scary, scary thing. Okay, in the Stupendous Stitching book, and I don't know if this is a quote directly from you or if it's something an editor or a publisher said about you um, in there, but it says, it's about exploration where unexpected connections and juxtapositions can lead to new ideas and artistic expressions. That was me. That was you. Okay, so yep. t- talk to me a little bit more about that. What does that mean? How do you live that out in your fiber art? What it means is that I'm um, all about process and not about outcome. So when I start a piece of stupendous stitching or stitch and slash, I will start working, and as I work, the piece kind of tells me what it's going to be. So, for instance, when I put a couching line on a background, and it's in red, um, I'll look at it, and I'll say, gee, that red needs to be balanced out. So I think I'll put red on the left side as well as the right side. Um, And so I create as I go, and that's what I mean by exploration. 
and how how design and line and color speak to me and tell me what needs to be done. And when I teach this class, which I do in person, as a matter of fact, I just taught it this weekend, um, my students don't understand that in the beginning, but then as they go during the day, they get it totally. Um, you know, they're used to having a pattern that they follow, and my, and my work and my teaching is all about not having a pattern, but creating your own art from, from your own eye. You actually just led directly into the next quote I kind of picked up on, although this isn't a direct quote, but you talk about how an intuitive process it is and that you don't have control over right. the quilt. <laughs> so. Right, or the outcome. And uh, it's quite freeing, actually, to go ahead and, and try to do things like that, that where you don't, don't know what the outcome is. So out of curiosity, how much ends up in the trash can? None. Okay, so you, you're always able to work it through and, and get to an end result that you're pleased with. Yes, because the way I create, there are no mistakes, mm. and um, there are no rules. So there's no way that you can create something that ends up in the garbage. Hmm. All right, another quote um, that's in your book is, Creating art is like living life. Each decision leads to a different future choice, which I loved that. Um, love that quote. I think I might write it down, put it up on my wall. But it, it makes me curious. So what else have you learned about life from doing fiber arts? That you need to take risks um, and not play it safe all the time. Hmm. I think that's something. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking because the first thing I often hear from people is, you know, well, they say it's only fabric, but fabric's expensive. <laughs> And so they, they have the sense that they can't make mistakes because they don't yeah. want to ruin this expensive fabric. And what you're saying is there's really no mistakes. Right. So, you know, you can always work your way through something. Hmm. And you can always repurpose what you've made into something else. And so it, yet you really need to get away from the idea that I don't want to touch this. Oh, it's true because, you know, uh, when I first started working with fabric, I met women who had beautiful yardage that they wouldn't cut up because it was too pretty. Hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that all about? <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I don't know how that happened to us, but somehow that happened. Somehow. So we're not allowing our fabric to achieve its full potential by sitting on our shelf, apparently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, um, I have been asking my listeners this year, and I'm asking everybody I interview, to um, come up with a word that would express either what you want to experience yourself every time you sit down to do fiber arts in your um, context or quilting for someone else, or, or a word that would um, encapsulate what you are trying to express through your uh, process this year. So if I asked you that same question, what word might you come up with? Oh, that is so easy because actually I have um, an exhibit of my art in a gallery right now, and the title of the exhibit is Exploration, hmm. and that would be the word that I would use. Hmm. So where is the gallery? The gallery is uh, called A Buzz Gallery, and it's in Denver in the River uh, North art district uh which is called rhino okay so those of you listeners who live in the denver area make sure you go track <laughs> down that that i wish i could but it's a little far for me from new york state yeah so what do you have coming up are you going to be out teaching or at any events or conferences coming up that you'd like the listeners to know about 
Yeah, I'm actually going to be on Quilting Arts TV this year uh, with Pokey Bolton. Um, I filmed three uh, short episodes with her. Um, and I don't know when that's going to be airing because it's all different depending on where PBS is shown. Mm-hmm. Um, but And I'm also teaching at Quilting on the Lake, uh, which is coming up in June, June or July, I can't remember, but uh, in New York. And I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be two different classes and... Uh, an, a longer version of uh, Stitch and Slash and uh, Stupendous Stitching, where we're going to be even doing more than um, I do on Craftsy. So. Wonderful. Those are the two big ones, yeah. And Quilting on the Lake is kind of in my backyard. That's uh, oh, for, for listeners, <laughs> that's in the Syracuse area. Well, unfortunately, I, n- I can never go because my work conference is always at the same time. So I'm always yeah. somewhere else. But I'm, I have hopes for the future because our conference schedule changes next summer. So I'm hoping next summer, but unfortunately not 2013. So hopefully you'll be back. Okay. <laughs> um, but for listeners, again, that's a great experience too. So make sure you check out if you're, well, even if you're not in the New York area, you know, try to get yourself to Syracuse because that's where that is. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk with me and to share a conversation with our listeners. Well, it's been great, Sandy. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much to Carol for taking the time to talk with me. I really, really enjoyed talking to you and especially getting to hear more about your thoughts about process, art, and exploration. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to do that interview. And listeners, I am posting a link to Carol Ann Waugh's classes on Craftsy in the show notes to this episode. Unfortunately, I said in the conversation that I was going to try to post a link to the episode that um, Carol Ann Waugh is in on the quilt show. But unfortunately, you have to be a member of the quilt show in order to access the link. Now, I am a member, so technically I could go in and put on a link, but it won't do you much good if you're not. So for those of you who are members of the quilt show who may have missed it, be sure to look for it. Uh, For the rest of you, quilt show's good stuff. You might want to check it out. So, Sandy, update. As referenced, yes, the Stitch Bible and the Stupendous Stitching class project in general are two of my currently languishing projects. Those got stalled out shortly after January when my work life got so completely frenetic and really never entirely slowed down. Um, However, I do hold out hope. It's quite possible that this next program year coming up, I, I live my work life, which is kind of like, you know, my whole life is in August to July increments. That's kind of how we organize ourselves, not calendar year, but program year. Um, I really hope that this coming year might be less busy and I'll be able to get back to all of those languishing projects. However, it's about a 50-50 chance that it'll actually be more busy. So I'm not giving many predictions at this point. Things will be much clearer to me by the time I get home from this particular trip. I leave Tuesday And um, that's two days from now, July 23rd, that we start out with our national board meetings, and those go until Saturday, which is when our national conferences begin. This year we have three conferences at once, one for women, one for young adult women, and one for girls, and I staff all three of them. I have some primary responsibilities for the girls' event, but I have been staffing all three of them. That starts Saturday. That goes until we officially close Wednesday night. Everybody leaves um, Thursday, next week Thursday. And then... um, My husband's actually flying out that day to meet me, so within a few hours of everybody for the the conference departing, my husband will fly, pick me up at the hotel, and we're going to drive a little bit north. We're taking um, four days, five days if you count the day we actually fly home of vacation. We're going to be in the Sedona Flagstaff area, quick side trip up to the Grand Canyon, because I've never seen it. 
Uh, so I am actually going to be gone two full weeks with three different events. Well, depending on what you count, five different events during that time. Um, so I'm going to be fried when I get home. I'm, I'm thrilled that I've got that vacation because that's been sort of the carrot dangling for me that if I can just get through boards and get through conferences, <laughs> then I've got my vacation to look forward to. Um, when I, So I get home on August 5th, and then I've got three more days of vacation just here at home. I wasn't going to do it. I was going to go back to work. But then I decided, you know, after all of that, I really am going to need a few days just to kind of regroup on my own. Um, and frankly, you know, I've talked about in the past, I'm an introvert. So when I have been at these events and been on and having to be, you know, interacting with people for so long a period of time, it takes me a long time to want to talk to anybody again, which my husband's used to. So he knows when he picks me up, it's probably going to be a very quiet car trip <laughs> up to Sedona. And I'm going to want to hit the sack real early that night. Um, but he he won't be in the right time zone anyway, so he'll probably be game for that too. So we will, um, that first day of vacation is going to be pretty much just get to where we're going, crash, and then it really starts the next day. Um, so, you know, that's why I'm saying I'm probably not going to post another podcast episode until the middle of August. I just need that much time to kind of regroup. Um, those three days I'm spending at home, other than unpacking, doing laundry, probably cleaning, because I always leave my office in a complete state of disarray when I blast out of here for these events because, you know, I've been stacking and piling and stacking and piling and some of it gets in the uh, suitcase to come with me and the rest of it just stays here and then I have to reorganize it when I get home. So that'll be part of that three days of vacation. But I'm also really planning on spending a lot of time in my dye studio. I have been itching to get at my resists. I have a lot of resists and I have some discharges. Um, and if you don't know what hand dyeing is, that probably sounds really bizarre and maybe even a little creepy. Um, but <laughs> these are things I really want to get into. Resists are those things you use to resist the dye on the fabric. So you apply them to the fabric ahead of time and then you dye them. And when you wash them afterwards, the resist also washes away, usually, unless you're using wax, in which case you have to boil it away. But that's a whole other game plan. Um, Discharges are once you've already dyed it, you use the discharge to then take some of that dye away again. Um, and you can just get some really funky effects. So I can't wait to really dig in and start to play with that stuff. I just haven't had time to really do what I need to do. So I'm looking forward to playing with that. I'm also wanting to spend some more time dyeing neutrals. Okay, so this is the weird thing. Most people, when they think hand dyes, they think um, the the really brilliant, you know, the, the 60s tie-dyed is what most people think, honestly. But, you know, the spirals and the rainbow colors and all that. Other people um, who are probably more attuned to the modern uh, dyeing world think of the the effects you get from the snow dyeing and the ice dyeing, which is all very cool. But you think the brilliant saturated colors, a lot of jewel tones or primaries or whatever. I think neutrals. And I, I think this is because there's a lot more subtlety involved and maybe... Um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, I feel like I can make a really pretty bright pink easily, but to make that perfect neutral takes a lot more skill. So I really want to start playing with this. Um, and, and in fact, I hit a sale on the last time I was on, I think I got it from ProChem and Dye. I don't think I bought it from Dharma this time, but I was on ProChem and Dye. Mm -hmm. I had some coupons I needed to use or yes, I had to use them. Um, I wanted to use. And uh, they were having a sale on some of their dyes. And one of the dyes I bought is actually Acru. Now, 
a crew <laughs> as, as a color. Most people probably don't think, oh, I really need to go to the uh, to the fabric store and buy a crew fabric. But th this is what I'm in right now. This is my mode is being in this sort of neutral kind of wild um, mixing of things to get those subtle differences of color. I can't wait. Anyway, so that's <laughs> I'm getting myself all jazzed up just thinking about it. That's what I'm planning on doing during my three days at home um, after I get back from the Southwest. I probably will also spend some time doing some more craftsy classes. I, I have <clears throat> a few that I was in the middle of <laughs> that I want to finish, but I, I also have some, uh, maybe a couple new ones that have found their way into my um, craftsy account that I'd like to sink my teeth into as well. Noni, you have to stop posting the announcements about their sales, okay? I already get the sale emails. And I'm generally pretty good at ignoring them. And then I go into Twitter and there's Noni talking more about the sales. And I'm just so weak when it comes to that. Um, I actually avoided several of their spring sales, but this one, they just are having a sale this weekend. By the time you hear this, it'll be over. I'm sorry. Uh, but they had a lot of their quilt classes on sale again. And so I did buy a new one. Um, only one was the Joe Cunningham class. And I apologize. I don't offhand remember what I think it's pattern free design or something like that. Um, but my mom was a big Joe Cunningham fan and I've seen little things of him once in a while. So I decided, and then I watched the little intro thing and he just seems like such a nice, likable guy. I decided I don't really care what the class is. I want to do it. But as, as I was reading about the class and, and hearing what the class was about, it does sound like it's something kind of right up my alley. So I am looking forward to, um, <laughs> I want to get into that too, but you know, I've got these other ones that I really want to finish. So we'll see. But anyway, as always, you know, when you have three days home unscheduled, you get a far bigger list of things you think you're going to get done mm -hmm. <laughs> than, than what's ever actually possible to get done. So I'm sure I have all these dreams in my head of all these all this progress I'm going to be making on all of these um, projects. And, you know, it's just not going to happen. I apologize. I just yanked the plug out of my external hard drive. <laughs> that was what you kept hearing talking to me. It's this weird thing, Windows 7, when I got the new computer a year ago, um, I've had this external hard drive for several years, and it's always just kind of lived attached to my computer, and when I needed it, it was there. Windows 7 does not like to deal with it, and it keeps shutting it down and then kicking it back in, and I haven't been able to figure it out. So anyway, I usually just keep it unplugged until I need it. Um, that's all a bunny trail you really didn't need to have. So let's get back to quilt projects or fiber projects. I do actually have some finishes. Um, had to. <laughs> I had to get them done because uh, they were projects that I was putting in the auction that we always have, um, or at least for the last several years have had, at our summer women's events to raise funds for our ministries. Um, and I did post pictures in my blog, so I'm not going to go into much detail here because I explained it, um, but I did finish a baby quilt and I hand dyed three silk scarves and I learned an awful lot in that process. There are special dyes for silks that you can use, but you can also use the dyes that I've been using for my cottons for silk, any organic fiber. I can use it on anything. Um, but what I'm learning, of course, is that is is how it reacts differently with each different kind of fiber I'm using. Um, and in fact, this last time I did my dyeing, and I didn't really go into this on in my blog, but I had a boatload of fabric that I had bought uh, several months back now. I think it was maybe in February. There was, I believe, still snow on the ground, I think. Uh, but it, there was 
we have a big sewing guild here in Rochester, in my city, and they apparently have a rummage sale every year, which I didn't know this year. Somehow I found out about it. And um, so I went with a couple of my um, quilty buddies and I I scored in a big way because I had really just started dying at that point. And so I just bought any fabric that was an organic fiber, because that's, again, the dyes I have work with organic fibers only, um, that was either white or pale in some way so that I knew it wouldn't mess with the dye color too much, but so that I could experiment with different types of fibers. Um, well, a few weeks ago, maybe as much of a, as a couple of months, I had actually... Um, soaked those fabrics. I had a big bucket in my dye studio in the basement um, of soda ash water, and I just dumped them all in there to soak them, thinking I was going to get to actually dyeing that weekend. And there's various ways to hand dye and various order in which you do the different steps. Um, Sometimes you pre-soak your fabric in soda ash water and then dye it. Other times you, uh, there are other methods in which you mix the soda ash in with the dye and kind of do it all at once. And then there's other methods in which you dye the fabric first and then add the soda ash water. So I've been doing each one of those at various times to kind of see what the, the results are and get a sense of which one I would probably want to do most often. So in, in this case, I had the thought, oh, this weekend I'll have some time to time to dye, so I'll try the version in which I pre-soak first. So I stuffed all this fabric, a bunch of it, Um, in the bucket of soda ash water. And then, of course, I didn't get to doing it that weekend. I didn't get to doing it the next weekend, and and time passed. (laughs) And it was probably in there for a good two months before I finally, last weekend when I was dyeing those scarves, I thought, you know, I've just got to get that bucket out of here. I'm tired of it being in here. I'm just going to throw everything in a dye bath because I had some dyes, a few mixed up, figured it would be a good way to use it. So, um, but that then also became part of the experiment is, okay, how long can you really leave fabric (laughs) soaking in soda ash before something bad starts happening? Um, The only thing I noticed, now, some of the fabrics I had not had an opportunity to dye in my more traditional methods, shall we say, the ones in which I actually do it when I think I'm going to get to it rather than several months later. Um, So I can't really compare. But... I did have two fabrics that happened to be laying right on the top. They were two sampler um, pieces. They were probably not even quite a fat eighth um, that I had gotten from the ProChem and Dye booth um, at the vendors as a free gift for, gee, thanks for dropping a boatload of money in our booth. Here's your free sample of this particular PFD muslin that they were carrying at the time. Um, Well, those two pieces, because I'd gotten home and I just sort of tossed them in the soda ash water but hadn't really pushed them down. They were kind of half laying on top. So part of them was dry, crusty soda ash water and and the rest was submerged. And I decided I'm just going to leave it like that and see what happens. Well, that was actually kind of interesting because the part which was dry and crusty did react differently to the dye than the rest of the piece did. Um, At some point, if I remember to do this after I'm home from all of these events, I will try to remember to go in and take pictures and document that kind of thing, um, just for those of you who might actually be interested. Um, The other fabrics, I had some uh, crocheted lace left from previous experiments, so I dyed that. I had some, um, oh gosh, what would I even call it? It's either, it's not burlap, but it's also not really linen. It's a really coarse linen very nubbly, but heavy. I, I don't even know what kind of... See, this is not being a garment sewer. 
I don't actually know that much about fabric, so I can't even tell you what kind of fabric some of this is. All I know is it was organic. I could tell that. Um, I, I know the fabric. I just don't know what it's called. But I dyed that. And it's interesting because, again, it took the dye, but it took it much lighter and slightly different shades than the cotton does. So I was able to kind of get the sense of how these different fabrics reacted to dyes. Um, the the short story is, no, it doesn't really do anything to have it soaking in soda ash water. <laughs> the cottons took the dye fine. One, I mean, it didn't make a difference. The other fabrics, you know, I probably don't know them well enough to, to notice whether there was a difference or not. Um, and then I had some more. I finished off the last of that uh, silk that I had bought at that same thing. I bought 30 yards of silk for or 15 yards of silk for $30, or 30 yards of silk for $15. I don't remember which way it was. Um, so I finished off the last of that. That was the silk that you've been seeing, my long, what I call my tapestry pieces, kind of. Um, those were the long silks. The earlier parts, I've now finished off all of that silk and had fun playing with it. So I learned a lot in that process. Um, but out of it, I did get my three hand-dyed silk scarves to put in the auction. Very, very pleased with two of them. A little less pleased with the other one, but did learn a lot in it. Um, and as I said in the blog post, my daughter loved the third one. So it's really just me. Every time I look at it, I'm seeing it through the eyes of what I wanted it to look like, um, not what it is now. And it, it's perfectly acceptable. It's not ugly. Uh, it's just not what I wanted it to be. Um, but I do already have some plans. I've already been doing a little bit of research for what I'm going to be dying. I think this probably is what I'll be able to put into our auction every year rather than quilting, I'll be able to do hand-dyed stuff because it generally doesn't take as long as putting together a quilt does. Um, so anyway, I've, I've got some fun plans for that. Plus, my daughter keeps asking me to hand-dye her clothes, so I keep telling her, well, now I guess I know what your Christmas gifts are going to be. So that felt good to get those done, and now I've just got to pack them and um, get them to Phoenix with a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, just a quick note, we have convinced another couple of people to now become fit bidders uh, <laughs> with us. Um, again, several of us on Twitter have um, do Fitbit. Other folks have been doing it longer than me. I just joined in a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but we now um, have a group on the Fitbit website called Quiltcast Fit Bidders. So if any of you have Fitbits, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's sort of a, um, it's like a pedometer on steroids. It's one of these activity monitors that you can use to um, monitor your activity levels during the day and, and encourage you to get more activity in. There's also food tracking on the website, etc. Um, I do Weight Watchers, so I'm currently tracking in both places and kind of getting a feel for what the pros and cons are of either system. And what I'm finding out is both have pros, both have cons. And so I may, as long as I still have time, I might keep doing them, you know, dual tracking on both for a while. Uh, but I will say having that Fitbit really has increased my activity. It's it's given me a better way of knowing how much activity I've gotten. It's still not a perfect system, but it is helpful. And the main reason I decided to get it is because when I'm out of town, and the reason I got it when I did, which was just a couple of weeks ago, when I'm out of town at these work events, I tend to feel like I'm getting activity just because I'm on my feet almost all day and, you know, moving around and moving furniture and getting equipment where it needs to be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, I tend to get, the more tired I get, the more self-indulgent I get, and I tend to eat worse. So I'm really hoping this week, I've got a couple of, this two weeks, I'm not planning on losing while I'm gone. I'm cutting myself that slack, but I just don't want to go backwards. So I'm hoping that having the Fitbit will just be kind of this 
way of reminding myself of my goals, if nothing else. You know, even if I'm not paying super close attention to it while I'm gone, it'll remind me, don't kill yourself, Sandy. <laughs> you really, you're on a good track. Don't go backwards. Um, if you are a Fitbit person, again, look for our group. It's Quiltcast Fitbitters. And there's that other website that you might know what I'm talking about where you can actually search groups. You can't search groups on Fitbit, but somebody else put together a thing where you can. Or you can just email me, send me whatever email address you have attached to your Fitbit account, and I will um, email you an invitation to the Quilt Gas Group. I will go so far as to say you can also email um, Pam of Hip to Be a Square. She's also in the group. Or you can email, let's see, who else is it? Cotty is part of it. Um, Litter de Verumum. <laughs> Lori is part of it. Uh, you know, and I, Tanisha is almost part of it. I just sent her the invitation. Um, so hopefully she'll be joining it soon. Tanisha of Crafty Garden Mom. So there's a few of us who are part of it um, that could email you. Only, And I say that because... First of all, I know most people who listen to me also listen to somebody else. Uh, but also, I'm when I'm gone for these next two weeks, I'm going to have very limited access to my email, and I won't necessarily be able to get in quickly and send you the invitation quickly. So if you don't mind waiting, you know, I will get to it when I'm able to get to it and would be thrilled to be able to friend you on Fitbit and um, have you part of the Quiltcast Fitbitters group there. On Twitter, you will again see the hashtag QHC, which stands for Quilters Health Check. Um, that's just anytime any of us does anything that's kind of to our better health, we post it and say QHC and everybody cheers each other on. Um, and then for those of us who are Fitbit people, we also have a hashtag QuiltBits, Q-U-I-L-T-B-I-T-S, all one word, uh, just when we're challenging each other, usually taunting one another. <laughs> we have some friendly competition going on the leaderboard on Fitbit. Um, I am definitely going to be sleep, slipping down on that leaderboard the next couple of weeks because I'm just not going to be able to do my usual while I'm gone. So anyway, that's my um, Sandy update and everything that's going on with my life. I'm going to do some listener feedback now. I want to say thank you. A couple of you um, contacted me. I had posted on uh uh, I'm sorry, I'm losing words. Big Tent, uh, the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup that I am shutting down my group on Big Tent there, um, the quilting for the rest of us group. I just can't keep up with so many places. And it wasn't very active. And most of us who were active on Big Tent are now active in Twitter. And so we're, we're kind of engaging in other ways. And I just, I can't keep up. So I had to make the decision to shut down Big Tent. And I did hear back from a couple of you, Shelly and Kitty. Thank you for being in touch. Um, and... They were very understanding about it. So thank you for your comments, and I appreciate that. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Terry. Uh, Terry, by the way, is the one that I could never figure out how to pronounce her name. I kept pronouncing it Churgy. It's not. It's Terry. And uh, she's very active on Fitbit. And gosh, you know, I want to say you're inspirational, but it ha I think it's more you're aspirational. I want to, I aspire to be you on Fitbit. She is an extremely active person. Um, so you are very inspiring. And I appreciate always seeing your um, comments in our Fitbit group on, um, on Fitbit as well. Thank you so much too. Let's see. I had commented on, or I'd posted a blog finally with pictures a while back with um, some of my other hand dyeing my sampler projects that I'd done. June really re liked the results of the stones and shells sampler set and asked what the three colors were that I used to mix for these. Um, she's hoping to do some fabric dyeing. 
and said, but too many other little projects got in the way. Uh, June, I used, what were the three colors? Because they were in a kit available from Procam and Dye. If you go onto Procam and Dye's website and look for samplers, they have a boatload of them, and Stones and Shells was one of them. The other one was the Rainforest Kit. Um, that was the other set of samplers I did. Stones and Shells, if I recall, was Camel, Stormy Gray, and Dusty Rose or Dusty Pink, something like that. Um, and I've now bought all three of those dyes because I just loved that sampler set and I want to do more of that. Um, and I want to do some of those colors mixed with other colors to see kind of how that changes. So those were the three colors I used for that June. And please do get back in your dye studio and send me pictures because I'm really interested in, in learning more and seeing how other people do this. Uh, thank you to Jackie and um, Terry and Lauren, all who commented on that um, as well. Uh, Lauren, by the way, told me to look for the book Nine Patch Pizzazz. I own that, and I've actually made a couple of Nine Patch Pizzazz quilts already. Uh, she had suggested that in as a way to use the fabrics that I got from um, as a gift from a speaking engagement, which I had posted pictures on that blog. And you're right, I hadn't really thought about doing using them with a Nine Patch, but that would be a simple way to do that, so I may consider that. Um, once I'm back from my trip. So thank you for that suggestion. Thank you so much to Quilt and Jenny, um, who said, okay, so this was on episode 128 in which I actually touch my sewing machine. Um, that was the episode that I apologized for in advance a little bit that better than half, well, no, just about evenly half of it was personal stuff um, from my recent work trips and then the other half was quilting. And I don't normally do that much personal stuff. I, I really don't. Those of you who have been listening for a while know that it comes in once in a while, but I don't usually spend that much time on it. But it had just been such an intense weekend with so much going on that I just, I decided to go ahead and do it. Um, please do know that, no, I don't do that usually. So you're not going to hear it again. But um, Jenny really enjoyed hearing the story. She said the bit about microphones and tables made me laugh. Haven't we all had days like that? Um, and the girl in your picture made me weepy and grateful that you got to meet her. Uh, moments like that can give us the strength to do the hard, challenging things for a long time afterwards. And you definitely have that right, Jenny. I still get chills when I think about that story. It was really pretty incredible. Um, Lori, a.k.a. Quilting Wolf, also loved the story about the girl in the picture. And um, Jackie said, I'm so glad you shared your God story. It brought tears to my eyes and what an amazing experience for you. I love how God shows up in ways unexpected. Who would have thought that the one picture of girls you took would be used in such a way to bring it full circle? Amazing. And that, and that's exactly how I felt about it, too. And then she does also sympathize with me about um, the Kansas City airport, that it is insane. Um, <laughs> thank you also so much to Tori, who said she liked all the work stuff, um, <laughs> when, especially when I'm driving home from a long day at work and trying to figure out why I'm frustrated with others. Is it me? Is it them? Probably both. Hearing how you kept calm, calm in the light of all the craziness is inspirational. <laughs> it's just funny. And she did also ask to see a picture. And I need to remember at some point, I've got to remember to post that picture um, of where the girl was. Very Lazy Daisy also got goosebumps talking about the girl showing up at the event. Thank you so much. Now, these were all comments on the final Mom UFO completed, which was, I think, my most recent blog post. Um, Karen and Katie, Janet, Jennifer, Jane, Lori, a.k.a. Quilting Wolf again, Marianne, Margaret, Liz, Carol, 
Marianne, oh, there are a lot of comments on this, I'm sorry, M, <laughs> just M, apparently works for um, the same company as James Bond. Um, <laughs> Gretchen, my sister Diane, uh, Tanisha, Quilt and Jenny, and Diane. Um, really appreciated all your comments about uh, my mother's UFO, the last one I finished, and, and you are all right. It was very significant for me. Um, I love having it around. I, I have not. It's still sitting in the, the armchair on our bedroom because I just like looking at it. Even though it's not a quilt that's, you know, it's not one I would have chosen to make for myself. It's not really my style, but just because it is, you know, so infused with those memories and relationships of my mom, it is a very special quilt. Thank you also to... Let's see, this time I'm only going to name people I haven't already named. Some folks comment just about every blog, which I always really appreciate. Um, uh, let's see, and thank you to different Jennifer. And I want to say thank you to people for subscribing to my blog by email, Pat and S, another person who works for the Bond Agency, and Margaret. Um, thank you so much to subscribing to that. And I did just get, I posted a blog post maybe half an hour ago and immediately got a comment from Noni. <laughs> so thank you, Noni. Uh, that was on my Three Scarves and a Quilt, the blog post I mentioned in which I had uh, posted pictures of my finishes. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. I do always appreciate it. And thank you for commenting. Thank you for sending me emails. Now, I know when I have radio silence on my side, when I go out of town, um, comments tend to slow down don't do that. Please keep talking to me while I'm out of town. It's always so meaningful to me <laughs> to be able to reconnect with my quilty friends in the midst of my work life. That's always a wonderful thing. So I hope to keep hearing from you. Um, I will be able to check email periodically. Not a lot, like I said, but I will be there. I will be on Twitter periodically. Not a lot. Um, it's going to be a busy two couple of weeks, but I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the conferences and board meetings because I love the people I work with. I have so much fun. Even all the emails this weekend, you know, that have been flying back and forth with last minute changes and, and things we're just realizing now, oh, we didn't put these two things together that we really should have thought about before, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, still, everybody's keeping in good spirits and joking about things and you know everybody comes at this with so much humility and so much a sense of fun that it's it's hard not to enjoy ourselves even when we're completely stressed out about what's going on so I do look forward to that but I also do look forward to them being over <laughs> and being able to be on vacation with my husband which will be a nice thing and then being able to come home again and when I get home actually I don't travel again for a while other than personal stuff um, and even that I don't have anything on the schedule for a while so it'll be nice to be home and kind of be able to settle for a little bit. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, thank you again. And until the next time, you do know, I hope, where you can get a hold of me. If not, here it is. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Flickr. Um, oh, all sorts of other places. I am Sandy Quilts in all of those places. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can join the, uh, sorry, you can like us on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Flickr. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team. You can't, of course, anymore join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group in Big Tent. Sorry about that. Um, but you can find links for most of those things at the show notes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had a mental blip. 
You can find the links for all of those things on the website for this podcast at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Bye.